You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Your phone starts ringing. You glance at the screen and see the number isn't one you know, but it's not a private number either. Here is where many Aussies find themselves, at a crossroad. Do you pick it up, only to be connected to a call centre somewhere where teams of people are waiting to trick you out of your hard-earned cash? Hello? Or do you ignore it and hope whoever's trying to contact you isn't a lost job opportunity, an appointment confirming or a family member in crisis? A hacker has claimed Australians are the easiest targets in the world when it comes to taking our money. Let's be honest, recent track records aren't exactly proving them wrong. But how do we get smarter than the people who are infiltrating our finances and personal details through our phones, our email, via text, or even sometimes in person? Today, we look into the ways in which scammers are singling us out in 2023 and how we can lose the tag of the dumb Aussie target. But first, your news headlines for Monday the 1st of May. Cost of living pressures are being blamed for deepening the national mental health crisis. As Australians abandon mental health care and appointments to cut costs, according to suicide prevention organisation Lifeline, up to 80% of its calls now relate to cost of living pressures, with more Australians from all socioeconomic backgrounds feeling the pinch of rising inflation, mortgage repayments, food and fuel costs and electricity bills. Psychologists are reporting growing instances of appointment cancellations, while there have been 8,000 more calls to the National Debt Helpline in the first quarter of the year, up 30% on the same time last year. It comes as mental health experts continue to manage the fallout of exacerbated mental distress caused by COVID. Data from the Coroner's Court of Victoria and New South Wales Health shows that suicide numbers are now increasing after remaining relatively stable throughout the pandemic. Overseas and authorities in the US have entered day two of their search for the gunman responsible for the latest mass shooting in Texas. The 38-year-old allegedly murdered his neighbours, five people including an 8-year-old boy, after being asked to stop firing rounds in his yard. Investigators have widened the search from the scene of the shooting after tracking dogs lost his scent in a dense forest. It's unclear whether or not the alleged killer is armed. Independent Sydney MP Alex Greenwich is taking legal action against One Nation's Mark Latham after he refused to apologise for a series of homophobic and sexualised slurs. It's understood Mr Greenwich has made a formal complaint with New South Wales Police and with the New South Wales Anti-Discrimination Body whilst also launching his own defamation proceedings. Mr Latham posted offensive comments on social media Mr Greenwich says were directed at him. Latham has since doubled down on those comments, maintaining he won't apologise. The party's figurehead, Pauline Hanson, has condemned Mr Latham's actions. If charged with using a carriage service to menace, harass or cause offence, Mr Latham may be forced out of Parliament. Charges for the offence carry a potential five-year jail term. 
Alex Greenwich says he took the extraordinary legal steps against Mr Latham because enough is enough. University staff begin a national week of strike action today with some workers set to walk off the job over stagnant wages, job insecurity and underfunding in the sector. The National Tertiary Education Union President Dr Alison Barnes says they're focused on introducing decasualisation provisions for every Australian university. Only around three in every 20 roles at unis are permanent. The union has had some success in securing decasualisation clauses at Western Sydney University, the Australian Catholic Uni and the University of Technology in the past six months. UTS is expected to convert 330 casual positions to permanent. Dr Barnes says she's determined to stamp out casualisation and wage theft. And Tasmania has overtaken Queensland as the state with the country's best-performing economy. According to Comsec's quarterly State of the State's economic rankings, Tasmania is leading the pack across business investment, dwelling starts, a forward-looking indicator for the housing market and employment. The report compares annual growth rates for eight key indicators, including economic growth, retail spending, unemployment, housing finance and population growth. Queensland and South Australia came in at equal second, followed by New South Wales, but according to the report, all state and territory economies are performing relatively strongly at the moment. That's your latest news headlines. Up in a moment, today's deep dive. If you are a Medibank, Optus or Latitude Finance customer, you're likely very much aware that you've probably had your personal details snapped up on some dark web exchange in recent months. With all three of those Australian companies being hit by hackers, there are enough of our details out there for identity theft to be an easy scam right now. But how easy are Aussies falling for cybercrimes? The ABC spoke to a hacker who goes by the name Kerosid, who said this about us. Australians are the most stupidest humans alive and they have a lot of money for no reason. A lot of money and no sense at all. They claim to have taken millions from unsuspecting victims, stealing sensitive data before encrypting the files and then negotiating with the victim to get that data back. If the victim pays, they split the money with the group they're affiliated with a notorious and successful cyber gang called Revil, a mashup of the words ransom and evil. In 2021, it's thought this group alone carried out dozens of attacks which scored them more than $200 million US. They've taken credit for stealing new product designs from Apple, putting the company Travelex into administration after locking down their systems, and threatening Australian and US food supplies after hacking JBS abattoirs. Like with the Medibank hack... The hackers post a small packet of data online to show they're the real deal. They may even do interviews with the media to make the story go public and attract more attention. The pressure makes it more likely a ransom will eventually be paid. But Medibank, Latitude and Optus all said they would not bow to the pressure and refuse to pay the ransom. In the Optus case, the hacker reportedly decided to back out of sharing or selling the information bar the accounts they leaked in an attempt to score the payment. They said it was too hot and the info could lead back to them. In the Medibank case, the hacker released all the data on the dark web, while the future of the stolen Latitude data remains unknown at this stage. 
But Australians aren't actually the country losing the most money to cybercriminals. That unfortunate title goes to South Korea, with a population just shy of 52 million, who lost $72 billion US to scammers in 2021. In that same time, Australia, with our population of nearly 26 million, lost $456 million US. And we aren't in the top 10 highest risk countries for cyber threats either, with Afghanistan topping the lot, followed by Myanmar, Namibia, Libya and Honduras. In the UK, following an annual report that showed more and more of its citizens were being targeted by cyber criminals, the government announced that fraud will now be reclassified as a national security threat, giving it the same status as terrorism. The Australian Attorney-General is currently working to update privacy laws to reflect the current threats, but there are calls for ransom payments to be criminalised so businesses and individuals can't hand over money to get their data or access back. That motivates criminals to target more Australians. The Albanese government has established the National Office for Cybersecurity, possibly motivated after the data hacks on Medibank and Optus, but they haven't gone as far as declaring it a national emergency. In fact, the amount of money Australians have been tricked out of has jumped significantly. Aussies scammed of more than $3 billion Australian dollars in 2022. This year, just four months in, according to just the ACCC data, Australians have already lost more than $140 million to scammers, with the majority of that money lost through investment scams. But the most people affected are caught out by phishing. The way that these scammers got to us was mostly through text message, followed by email and then the phone. Despite our increased losses, research commissioned by National Australia Bank found that people aged 18 to 29 are the least concerned about becoming a victim, yet are among the most likely to lose out to a scam or cyber attack. NAB Economics Research, commissioned as part of the bank's new scam awareness campaign, asked consumers and businesses about their experience of cybercrime and scams, the impacts and ways they were protecting themselves. Only around 18% of women aged 18 to 29 were concerned about a cyber attack or scam, while 38% had been the victim of one, a third of young women saying they had good or very good cyber safety awareness. NAB executive in personal banking Chrissy Jones says women are the ones losing out the most. In our research, we found that more than one third of Australians have already been the victim of a cyber attack or a scam, and on average, people have lost $620. I suspect that's a bit underreported, though, because often people are a bit embarrassed when they're talking about scams and if they feel they are the victim. Interestingly, women, on average, have lost a lot more than men, so they've lost just over $920 on average. She says NAB saw a huge spike in reports of people being involved in bank impersonation scams last year. It was around about 38% increase in the number of cases that we saw. And at one point during the year, we were receiving 130,000 calls per month. That's come back now to around about 85,000 calls, particularly as we've been working with telcos to block some of the spoofing type activities that we see from scammers. But what's really important is there are many ways that scammers and criminals can go after customers. And it could be remote access. So if you're downloading software, you need to be really cautious. It could be an investment scam, and these can range in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. It might be via a business email where the account details have been intercepted and changed. Or often we see romance scams and phishing scams as well. 
So it's really varied and that's why through this see-through scans campaign, we're really working with our customers to make sure they're really well educated because it's a Team Australia approach that we need to take. There's no silver bullet, there's no easy solution here and it's something that we all need to be armed with, better information, better education so that we can each take the steps with our family and friends to protect people. Chrissy says once your money leaves your account, the chances of getting it back are slim. It really depends on what's occurred and where the money's gone to. If it's domestic, there's somewhat easier steps to recover that funds, but if it's gone offshore, that's more difficult and it really depends on how quickly the criminals then moved it from that next account. That's why it's just so important that if you are worried, call your bank immediately. And while there are a ton of ways in which we know we're being scammed, Sometimes it's our online shopping habits that get us in trouble. Fashion websites that are coming with great deals, often clicking through social media ads can be problematic. So if you are thinking of purchasing, go onto the actual website yourself. Make sure you've typed that in so that you're shopping in the right place and that you're not going to fall victim to one of those scams. So are Aussies actually the dumb easy target the hackers say we are? Is there any truth to the statement at all? Katrina Lowe is the Deputy Chair of the ACCC. Katrina, I know you don't want to offend the entire nation of Australia, but would you agree that we're a bit stupid with a bit too much money like that hacker claims? I think that's actually a very clever tactic on the part of scammers to make that statement. One of the things that we worry a great deal about is the fact that people don't report all the time. So it's estimated, for example, that only 13% of people report to Scamwatch and 30% of people who fall victim to a scam don't report it to anyone at all. And one of the reasons for that is that people feel embarrassed or ashamed about getting caught. And that statement by the hacker is playing straight into that. And of course, it's good for scammers if people don't report because it enables them to get to people more easily. What good does actually reporting do? It's enormously important to report even if you haven't actually fallen victim to the scam. We have, whilst we've seen the losses from scams climbing, we've actually seen a decline in reports made to Scamwatch. Partly that's because we've seen some drop-off in particular types of scams, in particular cyber scams, but we also wonder whether people are feeling a bit of fatigue given the number of scams that are out there. It's enormously important to report. It helps all of the agencies who are working on these issues get early alerts as to what's going on out there and to potentially disrupt scams. Now, we have been reading all the data about how Aussies get caught out with what and by who. And obviously, there was a lot of people who lost a lot of data in various hacks recently, data breaches for Medibank and Optus and Latitude. But we know the FBI arrested a whole bunch of people who were allegedly linked to that Medibank hack. Have we actually seen a slowdown in activity since that time or is scam activity still on the upward trend here in Australia? It is difficult to say precisely you know, whether scams are up or scams are down because of the reporting issue, but the trend suggests that there is still an increase 
in scam activity and what we clearly see is that the scammers are becoming much more sophisticated. And there is no question that having personal data can make a scam much more effective, much more convincing. So I guess a lot of people are expecting that their personal data will be taken and someone will try and, I don't know, take out a loan in their name or something. But could it also be used with someone calling you who says, look, I know who you are, I know your birth date, I know all of this about you, so I therefore must be someone from an official business? That's exactly our concern. We've seen in recent months a spike, for example, in bank impersonation scams. And one of the factors that makes those scams so convincing in some cases is that the scammer who pretends to be from the bank fraud department has personal information. And it can make it seem much more credible that that person is calling from the fraud department of the bank. The big red flag, though, with those particular types of scams is that the scammer will typically ask their victim to remove money from their bank account and put it somewhere else to protect it. Your bank will never ask you to do that. The top of the list, though, of the scam that seems to get the most money for these hackers are investment scams. Now, has that got to do with crypto? We do see crypto used in investment scams, and you're right, they are the highest category of loss at $1.5 billion reported losses in 2022. But it is also somewhat due to the nature of the scam. Typically, people are, when they are making an investment decision, are investing a chunk of money. So if they're investing in what looks like an opportunity but is in fact a scam, that's how the dollars start to rack up. Other scams that we saw people losing significant amounts of money to were remote access scams, $229 million reported losses, and that's where someone says that your computer's been compromised and remotes in and then will remove details and or money and payment redirection scans where we saw losses of $224 million reported. The one that catches the most people out, not necessarily garners them the most money, is phishing scams. And it seems they get to us more often than not now via text message. What are the ones that are really tripping people up the most? We have seen a huge growth in phishing scams. So we saw a 469% increase in 2022 in terms of reported losses. And there are quite a range of scams. There is, in essence, a scam for everyone. Anyone can get caught. But examples where we have seen a lot of people get caught is the high mum scam where a child might purport to have lost their phone or their key card and need funds, toll and linked text scams and the bank impersonation scams. One of the features we've seen in recent times as scammers become more sophisticated, they are increasingly spoofing known and trusted organisations and they are even in some cases able to insert a text message into a feed of messages that will have come from the legitimate institution. We hear all the time that these hackers are based in Russia. How much truth is there to that? And if that's the case, can we actually do anything about those people at the other ends of the computer? It's fair to say that scammers are located 
all over the world. And it's also the case that they are increasingly professional, that these are not necessarily people in a back shed somewhere anymore. These are in offices with HR departments. This is organised criminal activity in many cases. In terms of what we can do here in Australia, there are increasing communications internationally that can enable some disruption, but we can also disrupt the contact to consumers. So that's stopping the contact coming through telcos or digital platforms. We can raise consumers' awareness about what to look out for to give them the best chance of spotting a scam. And then as the third line, we can disrupt the payments leaving people's bank accounts. These are all things we can do in Australia with a coordinated effort across industries, government and regulators. Do you think Aussies are a little bit lax with their online security? I mean, obviously there are people where it's out of their control, where it comes to Medibank, Optus and Latitude, for example. But as far as our personal data and details and what we share, are we a little bit lax with that stuff? Scammers are expert at exploiting ordinary human behaviour. We see that with the high mum scam, with a whole range of scams. They are, you know, aiming to override our logical thinking by tapping into ordinary human emotions. There are things, though, that consumers can do to protect themselves, to be very careful about who they are giving personal information to, to make independent checks. If you're receiving communication from an apparently legitimate institution, if something doesn't feel right, don't click on that link or call the number given to you in the text or the email. Make your own inquiries. Independently call the institution and check whether they have in fact contacted you. That can be a great way of spotting a scam. We ask people, in essence, in the scam space to remember three key words, and those words are stop, think, protect. Stop, don't click on the link, don't send money or personal information. Think, do I really know who I'm talking to here and protect If something does feel wrong, if you're worried you have been scammed, contact your financial institution as soon as possible and report the matter to ScamWatch. So, Katrina, basically you think Aussies aren't dumb. Hackers are just getting much smarter. That's right. People shouldn't feel embarrassed about getting caught by a scam. It can genuinely happen to anyone. We've seen all sorts of reports of people in professional situations who get caught. It genuinely can happen to anyone. That's what the scammers do. That's their job. And unfortunately, they're really, really good at it. But if people remember, stop, think, protect, there are some simple things they can do to make it harder for scammers. And certainly regulators and government and industry are very actively engaged in a conversation about initiatives to disrupt those scams reaching people. The shame connected with being scammed that stops us from reporting is exactly what those hackers want you to feel. They want you to keep it quiet. 
why would they want you to share the knowledge of their tactics with others who will then more easily identify them when they try it on them? So if we face up to being caught out, it might help others, but will also make those who believe they've gamed us less likely to catch us next time. If that's not enough to make you feel better, know that even those who are very well educated, who know full well what a scam can look like, someone like Chrissy who works in a bank and does this kind of educating for a living, they can almost get caught out too. I've been close. My husband recently, unfortunately, was a victim of a scam, despite me telling him, stop, stop. But he was caught up in a PayPal scam just recently. In his case, he was so keen to go to a particular event and the goal of getting those tickets just was a bit overwhelming and a bit motivating for him. So he went through and unfortunately lost his money as a result. The Quickie is produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Callie Borg, with audio production by Tom Lyon. Thanks to anyone listening who's become a Mamma Mia subscriber. Subscribers get access to every podcast, exclusive videos, and all the great articles on Mamma Mia. And you'll be helping to fund girls in schools in some of the most disadvantaged countries in the world through our partnership with Room to Read. Subscriptions cost as little as $5.75 a month. There's a link in our show notes.